take your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Titus this evening. We're in the book of Titus this evening. Just want to share a few thoughts with you. The word grace has been on my heart here this last week. And I want to share with you from a passage here in Titus. Of course, Titus is an interesting book, I think. Um, it was written by Paul to Titus, one of his sons in the faith, one of somebody he had a, a strong spiritual influence. Doing a little study on it this week, the book of Titus. I had never heard this before, but there are some that think that Titus might be the brother of Luke, Dr. Luke. And I, I don't know where they get that from, but it was put, put out there in one of the books I was reading, and I thought that was interesting. Um, Titus was a kind of, it seems like a problem fixer. Uh, Paul sent him to Corinth at one point to deal with some issues. Of course, we learned in our study through 1 Corinthians, it was a church full of problems, and Titus was sent there. And the book here of Titus, this letter, is about problems. Uh, Titus was sent to the island of Crete, and, um, and he's sent there to deal with some issues. Um, notice with me, if you will, let's read the first five verses of, of chapter one. It says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness and hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, amen, promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to our commandment of God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. So two parts of his task. Set things in order that are wanting or that are lacking or that are undone. And then they were to or, he was to ordain elders. Now in verses 6 through 9, there's a brief description of, uh, of the qualities or the qualifications of an elder or a pastor. Uh, he goes through that. We'll, we won't read that part this evening. But as we get to verse number 10... We see here the, the candidates he has to choose from are not the greatest. Uh, the ones he has to consider. Uh, look what it says in verse number 10. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Uh, look at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to, to be ready to, to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And so this is the kind of people that Titus is working with. Crete seems to be kind of a rough and tumble place. In fact, the island of Crete is a rough terrain. It's, a, it's, a, it's in the sea and it's, it's, a, uh, it's a difficult place physically to live and it has produced a rough crowd. 
Maybe think of the wild, wild west days when there was very little law and order and everybody lived their own way. Perhaps that's kind of the, 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 the task we have here. And not only that, the, the works that have been established have been now attacked and have had a, uh, an influence of the Judaizers. Did you notice that in verse number 10? It says, there are many unruly and vain talkers, which means uh, their talk was empty, it was senseless, and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. That's speaking of Jewish individuals. That's how Paul would oftentimes qualify an individual, uncircumcised Gentile, circumcised Jew. What was happening here in the early church, there were Jewish individuals that were trying to bring the Christianity and church back underneath the works of the law. Uh, that they would uh, continue the, the works of the law and, and trying to make salvation through the works of the law or teach that. And so Paul was constantly battling against the Judaizers and that, and that type of influence and they were there in Crete. So they weren't just a rough and tumble group. There was a doctrinal issue there as well. And so Titus had a difficult task dealing with unruly individuals, um, uh, dealing with uh, uh, folks that were uh, from a rough crowd, and then dealing with people that have been, as verse number 11, subverted or, 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 or compromised through the teaching of these of these, uh, uh, these Judaizers or these individuals that were emphasizing the law. So Paul tells them, gives them some instructions. I like chapter 2 especially, especially those first nine verses or so, eight verses, where, where Paul uh, really tells Tim, or Titus to get involved in discipleship. He says, hey, teach the, the aged men to be sober, grave tempered. Teach the aged women likewise in verse number three. Uh, and he talks about the young women and the young men. He, he's talking about influencing people, mentoring people, discipling individuals in various aspects of life and ministry. And as he's going on, he's going through all of these instructions. Notice with me in verse number 11 now. It says, four. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now, years ago, I came to that verse and I paused. And I thought to myself that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And that was kind of a, a baffling statement to me. How is God's, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, how has that appeared to all men? Now, I believed it, but I wanted to know how that was possible. How could all men everywhere have seen the, or heard uh, about the grace of God that would bring salvation to them? Of course, we know there are parts of this world that are very ignorant of the Scriptures, very ignorant of, of our God, ignorant of Jesus Christ. By the way, that used to be in all the mission fields across the world. Now it's in our next-door neighbor's. We're having much more of a time here in America where people are ignorant of God, ignorant of the Bible, ignorant of Jesus Christ. They've not learned it. They've not been interested in it. In fact, I was just talking to someone the other day, and they were giving the gospel out to somebody else, and a person was there listening and says, I've never heard anything like this before. I didn't know that Jesus died on the cross. And it was hard for me to imagine that there's a person that grew up in America that did not hear that or know that. But we're finding more and more of that. And so how does that message get out there? 
And I began to study, and let me just share with you quickly four thoughts on how God has revealed this grace that brings salvation to all men. First of all, we won't have time to look at the scriptures this evening, but you can write the notes if you're interested. God revealed himself through creation. Uh, You look around you and it cries out that there's a God. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Uh, This, this, the idea that God has spoken of himself and has revealed himself to creation. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, it says it so strongly that, that, that man will not have an excuse when they stand before God. Whether they've ever heard a clear presentation, God will say, you had no excuse. You saw my creation. You saw that someone did this, that someone created this. And so there's creation. Number two, there's illumination. We might call it our conscience, according to Romans chapter number two. God has placed a a conscience within us that tells us what is right or wrong, and that points us to something greater. So there's creation, there's illumination. There's another way that we have seen the gospel get across the world, and that is through intercession. And that's by people taking the gospel. That's by us sharing the gospel. I mentioned this morning on our, our sore Saturday yesterday that we had over 100 people out uh, interceding. Uh, taking the scriptures out, taking the invites out, knocking on doors. And as far as I know, I've not heard anything else, but we've had one person yesterday that bowed their head, prayed, and asked Christ to save them. That was an intercession on somebody's part. You remember in Romans chapter 10, Paul says, My heart's desire is that for Israel that they might be saved. And we need to have that same heart. And then a fourth aspect in the way that God gets his gospel out is through the word of God or through inspiration, uh, sharing of the scriptures and uh, uh, reading of the scriptures which points people to salvation. Now we see here that grace brings us to salvation. But if we continue reading, we also recognize that grace brings us beyond that. You know, salvation is wonderful. It's that great first step in a believer's life but it's not the last step. It's the most important because it gets you to heaven. But God has something far more for us, and God's grace, the grace that saves you, will bring you there. Uh, We can see here in verse number 12 that grace also brings us to sanctification. Uh, Notice again, we're in verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Continuing that thought now in verse number 12, Teaching us, it's grace that teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. The idea of sanctification is a transformation. It's a a change of life. It's a growing and a maturing that we're talking about in our lives. Uh, God wants the child of God that's been born again to continue to grow spiritually, to become more like Christ, to become holy like him. And so he gives us some clues in here. He says in verse number 12 that we're to deny some things. Denying ungodliness, worldly lust. So there's some denying, there's some times of saying no. 
There's some times of refusing. I'm not going to participate in that. Even though my flesh longs for it, even though I'm drawn to it, I know it's ungodly and I'm going to deny it. I'm going to say no. That's part of sanctification. But it's also complying. Uh, Look what he says. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Sanctification is about saying no, but it's also about saying yes. Sanctification is about refusing some part activities and some things that are ungodly and then embracing those things which are good. Again, live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And so grace that brings me to salvation also brings us to sanctification. Now the thought continues about grace. We continue the same thought from verse number 11. The grace of God that bringeth salvation brings us sanctification in verse 12. And it also brings us an expectation in verse number 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We get weary living in this world. And the longer we live in this world, the more anxious and expecting we should be and anticipating we should be of the Lord's return. Uh, desiring it, longing for it. Uh, I remember as a child thinking how that's all my dad ever talked about. He always, well, Lord, come back now. Hurry up, Lord. Please come home now. Bring us home now. All of those aspects. And I used to think, wow, as a 51-year-old guy now, Lord, please come now quickly. I'm ready, Lord. Bring us out of this mess. I don't want to go through this. And we expect the Lord's return. And it's the grace of God that brings us to this. God's grace is is pushing us towards the expectation of the Lord's return. And aren't you glad it's an expectation with with uh, something behind it? It's got the promise of God. It's got the uh, guy who has fulfilled his first coming will fulfill this second coming of the Lord. And I'm anxious and I'm looking forward to the return with great confidence. So grace leads us to salvation. Grace leads us to sanctification. Grace leads us to expectation. And the thought continues into verse number 14. Grace also leads us to perspiration. Notice what it says here. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Get this last phrase. Zealous of good works. It is time for us to be busy. It is time for us to be active. It is time for us to be participating in the work and in the service and the ministry of the Lord. And it's God's grace that will give you what you need to be active and working for the Lord, to be participating. And then there's one final thought here that continues that God's grace that brings salvation, that brings sanctification, that brings expectation, perspiration, also brings us to communication. Verse 15, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Well, who's he to speak this to? Who's he to communicate this to? The folks at Crete. Those evil beasts. 
Those slow bellies that were described up there in chapter number 1. Uh, the, the, the aged women and men, the young men and women of chapter number 2, the servants of chapter number 2. Uh, Titus was to invest in people these things all through the grace of God. It's God's grace that's going to save a person, and it's God's grace that's going to sustain a person. It's God's grace that's going to enable a person to continue to live this Christian life, this this life here on this earth, in a godly and in a right fashion. Now you remember, there's all kinds of little definitions on the word grace. But very simply, grace is gaining something we don't deserve. We haven't earned it. We don't deserve it, but God freely gives it. We're grateful for your salvation, right? Two of us are, okay. We're grateful for our salvation, right? I mean, without it, we're going to hell. Separated from God forever. That's the grace of God that saved you. It's that same grace that God wants to continue working in your life now. Sanctification, expectation, perspiration, communication. And let's let that grace continue to work in our lives, church. It was the grace of God and His plans. We talked about here this just this last week or two weeks ago, I don't remember now, in our study of the, the plan of God from eternity past planned the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What we'll commem- commemorate this evening by observing the Lord's Supper, uh, taking a, a piece of unleavened bread, uh, drinking a cup of grape juice, all picturing the body, the, 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 the bruised and battered body of Jesus and the, the shed blood, all of that was planned for us, and it's all because of the grace of God. Now let that grace that saved you, that you've experienced now, spur you on to live for him, to do something greater for him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this evening, and we're going to have a kind of a combination invitation, a, an opportunity for you to get our hearts and our minds ready to receive the Lord's Supper, uh, but perhaps also the Lord's touched your heart. I, 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 I've experienced a great, great salvation Am I living in a great manner for the Lord now? The the grace that saved me, is. am I allowing it to uh, do a work in my life, in my service for the Lord? Perhaps the Lord's touched your heart this evening. You realize that the sanctification process is not uh, where it should be in your life. Perhaps your expectation, maybe you don't even think about the Lord's return. Your work for the Lord, the perspiration, you know you could do more than you're doing. The communication of those around you, you know you could do more. The Lord's worked in your hearts this evening. I'm going to ask Janet to play a verse or two of an invitation. and Either there at your pew or here at this altar, let's, let's do business with the Lord this evening as we prepare our hearts for this great time of the Lord's Supper.